You're listening to On Mission with Dr. Matt Davis, a podcast designed to explore the personal mission of everyday leaders. Hear from men and women who are making a difference in their corner of the world and discover what keeps them on mission. Welcome to On Mission. I'm Jonathan Sheely. Our guests today are Dr. David and Mrs. Ruth Brown, professors at Maranatha Baptist University in the music department. Chief, as he is affectionately called by students, and Ruth have two children, Will and Audrey, and one-year-old granddaughter, Jude, who enjoys FaceTiming her grandparents daily. That's important. While Dave enjoys hunting, mechanics, and gardening, Ruth enjoys reading, walking, and swimming. David is an avid sports fan. His favorite team is the Packers. When attending sporting events with her husband, Ruth prefers to people watch and do Sudoku puzzles. Dave and Ruth, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you for being here. I actually do like people watching, too. It's my favorite part of the airports, actually. I don't like the the flying part, but I do like the people watching Mm -hmm. part. But I'm going to have to give you some some grief here. So you're living in Wisconsin, and you're a Packers fan, but I know that you're not originally from Wisconsin. No, I'm a Philly boy. You know that. So like, how does that rank with your sports teams? Well, you're supposed to live and die with your team, but the Eagles were so bad during my <laughs> childhood, I was glad to leave them behind. Moved to Kansas City, as you know. Yes. And got some tickets to a Chiefs game, and all of a sudden got hooked on the Chiefs. I was at the very first game Joe Montana played. Whoa. And the place went nuts, yes. as you can imagine. And uh, But anyway, yeah, I loved the Chiefs while we were there. We were there 15 years, so I saw a number of games and really enjoyed them. But I've been here longer than I've been anyplace else in my life. Oh. So this is our 21st year. So Bob Loggins told me, you've got to go up to Lambeau. It will change your life. <laughs> and Will took me for a Christmas present one year. We went up on a, I don't know, snowy Monday night, and it was great. Yeah. It was cool. Well, and that's, if you're going to have snow, that's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah that's where yeah. football began. So he was right. It was uh, sort of life-changing for me, and I figured we live here, so I'm going with the green and gold. Well, and that works, because if you've been here longer than anywhere else, I guess I'll have to give that one to you. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up, obviously, in the Kansas City area where they were not good before they had <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. So I, I've lived through plenty of the bad years, and so I can safely say I'm not a bandwagon fan. Mm. But now I'm reaping the benefits of being a fan. Yeah, so for sure. Works, They're amazing out. now. Yeah, it works out really well. Now, here the, the benefit is it doesn't matter what team he's rooting for, that you can do Sudoku puzzles and people watch no matter where he is. I'm happy wherever we go. <laughs> I am. And that's good. That's, that's the way it is. And everyone knows you for that, too. That's what everyone loves Mrs. Brown. And I remember some of my, one of my first memories is actually like when I was here in school was going over to your house with the music class and that was a good core memory for me as a student (laughs) and i know i'm not the only one because you know what that means it means that we actually were being loved on and that's what you guys are known for and we're going to get to that in a minute so i'm going to ask you both the questions today and i know that we're going to get to a lot of good stuff so the question that we always ask our guests is do you have a mission for life well i Early in my marriage, my mission for life was to keep the kids alive till their dad got home. <laughs> That's a good mission. And that was a good mission. Um, coming to Maranatha, it's turned more into, of course, I want to glorify God with my life. Mm. But I also, I want to invest in people and not just see them and walk by. 
I want to find out what their little brother's doing and and see how things are going in the dorm, if their room's all right. And so um, I think by investing in people, I, I just really want to get to know them and be part of their world. And I think that there there are some roles that that's easier for that to work out. And being a music teacher really helps with that because yeah. you get a lot of one-on-one time. I do. Don't you? And so like, I have never had personal lessons with you, but what does that look like on a weekly basis for you? If you have the same student... You can't ask them the same questions every week, but what does that, how does that end up working out in those lessons? So I start every piano lesson with, how can I pray for you this week? And I write down their prayer requests, and then I try and follow up on them the next week. So by the end of the semester, I've heard all kinds of things like, my finger has been swollen for three days. Okay, I've got a Band-Aid for that. Or um, pray for my mom. She's having tests this week. Or mm. in one, uh, well, more than one instance, um, there have been students who have said, my dad is dying of cancer. Mm. And, uh, and because mine died when I was in college, I, we have a lot of things in common. So we pray a lot about things like that, and we talk about ways to get through things like that. And we pray about tests and music history papers and <laughs> and note checks and juries. So there's oh, all yeah. kinds of things to do. And you just spoke a different language for some people because they don't <laughs> know what note checks are and juries. But if you're a music person, you know why there's a reason to pray for those things. Yes, stress. <laughs> it's lots of stress. Well, I know that it looks different for every student, but when you're genuinely interested in someone's well-being, there's a there's a unique relationship over music because you as a professor are going to necessarily be nitpicking on what they're doing. And I think that there's a, a, a vital relationship capital that's got to be there first that says, I care about you as a human and not just you as a musician. Yeah. And so is that, is that how you got started with that? Like, is how have you seen those relationships blossom even after you're doing lessons with them? Well, a really, really neat way, uh, one example of that is one of my students, her dad, uh, was, he did pass away, and we maintained a really close friendship. She also happened to be in Dave's Madrigal Choir, and last year, he walked her down the aisle for the wedding. Wow. So it was just very sweet to know that the friendship continued and deepened, and we actually went, had dinner with them this summer uh, at their house, and... Um, so, you know, you do see uh, some, many times on Thanksgiving and Christmas and sometimes Mother's Day, I get a lot of texts mm. just saying, love you, Mrs. Brown. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that there's a, there's a, there's a layer of um, being vulnerable when you're in studio that's really important. Yeah. And when you're making them feel loved for, uh, you know, for, for spiritual reasons, not just for the love of um, that person or for their personality. It helps you do other versions of mentoring in that in that time. I think so. Yeah, it helps that she has complimentary coffee and tea and stuff like that. Yeah, I have expected like baked goods. <laughs> oh, know. there's those too. Yeah, <laughs> the kids know where to go. Yeah, to uh, get a warm beverage. And... I have a carrig in my office. Yeah. Yes, they know. That's good. Comfort. Right. Comfort. Sometimes. A long session is going to need some caffeine. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> or they'll walk by. Can I have some caffeine? Come on in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Open door policy. Yes. That's for sure. Doc, what about you? 
Well, um, just to piggyback on what Ruth said, one of my favorite teachers in college, Dwayne White, brewed a cup of coffee for me before every piano lesson. I despise the piano, but it was so much more tolerable when he broke down that barrier and we would talk about our composers and then I would hack my way through the piano lesson or whatever. And I, I vowed in my heart, I'm going to try to do that too with my students. I want there to be that relationship. Yes, we're going to have to work hard because there's tough, you know, things we have to accomplish. But I loved feeling like he treated me like family. Mm. So we try, we both try to, you know, engender our students to, uh, to the coffee ministry and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I guess my, if I was going to put my uh, mission statement in a, in a sentence or two, it would be this. I don't teach music to people. I teach people with music. And that would be quite a change from my earliest days of ministry. When I first started choir directing and band directing, I the people in my band, I sort of moved them around like chess pieces. So they sounded the best they could sound. And that was my goal. They happened to be people also, but that was like secondary. That was kind of, <laughs> you know, down the road a little bit. And I began to realize after, not, not my first year for sure, I can tell you horror stories, but I began to realize these are human beings made in the image of God. And whether they play the song I'm teaching them well or whether they don't. I have a, a higher calling with these kids. Mm. And it's to to show them Christ and to try to uh, disciple them and help them grow. And so that was a shift in my thinking to teach people first and use music as the vehicle that I, that I teach people with. So they're no longer chess pieces on my board. They're the reason I am there. And so we had a, a big talk about this in my conducting class the other day. We were talking about conductors that come into a rehearsal and melt down. And um, uh, th th in the music industry, th that's not unheard of. That's actually pretty common. You've probably been in a rehearsal or two, not around here, where that's <laughs> the case. And I've, I told my kids, you know, if, if you are walking with the Lord, you don't have a right to do that in the class. In fact, I try to make it a regular practice. I don't do it before every rehearsal, but I try to make it a regular practice to read Philippians 2 before I go into a rehearsal. Mm. And in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And so when a kid asks me a smart aleck kind of question or someone's messing around during choir, I still have to go at that like that guy is better than me. And my goal is to try to restore him to the right relationship with that class and with me. And that's a very different perspective than coming in like it's me versus the, the orchestra or me versus the choir. And if a kid gets out of line, boy, I'm going to let him have it, you know. Well, Christ didn't operate that way. Mm -hmm. He treated others better than himself. And so I love that passage of Scripture, and it really does help me in the most intense seasons of music making, which is where we find ourselves right now. We're leaving Saturday on band tour. We have had some great rehearsals, but they've been intense. Yes. And so there certainly would have been opportunity for me to lose it if I really wanted to. But that's not in keeping with Christ's character or his nature. Mm. 
And so that's how God's working on me. I don't always get that right, by the way, <laughs> but it's a goal. And so that's how I'm working. That's, that's sort of my personal mission statement. Um, that's wonderful. Here. Well, and I think that both of you are known for actually living those things out. I don't know that I would have articulated it that way on your behalf, but I think that you're well known for that. So tell me together, how did you end up at Maranatha? Well, it, uh, Maranatha had a lot to do with it. As you know, we were in Kansas City for a long time. We, we had planned to be lifers there. Um, I told Pastor Herbster, I want to stay at least 10 years. Well, we were at year 15 when uh, Maranatha showed up at Tri-City with the band. And they played a school concert for us. During the concert, Dr. Townsend let me direct a piece, which I'm not bashful. I jumped right in and had fun with the kids and everything. And um, I was I was struck by their professionalism. I thought they played very well. But beyond that, I was more taken with the kids themselves. I just loved watching them interact with each other, you know, loading the bus, unloading the bus, helping Dr. Townsend. In the back of my mind, I'm going, where are these kids from? These are special kids. They're godly. They're servants. In the back of my mind, I'm going, I probably ought to find out more about this place. And there was, again, there was nothing wrong with where we were. We loved where we were. But God started stirring up my heart a little bit. And just in the back of my mind, I, I said to myself, I wonder if there ever would be a way that I could be involved in teaching on this level with these kind of kids. Mm. And so unbeknownst to me, the band went back to Maranatha and they, I guess Townsend gave my name to the administration and Dr. Budol was getting ready to retire. And so the Lord's working all this behind the scenes. I know nothing about any of this. Mm. And um, he's also working in my heart. He's working in Ruth's heart. And they called us and said, would you guys like to come out and do a summer music camp? And uh, we, we did. It was great. You don't really meet the student body during music camp. You meet high school kids from all over. But that was sort of the beginning of it. We got out, got on campus. We uh, got to know the faculty a little bit. And um, that's sort of what started the whole us moving out here to Watertown. So tell me a little bit about what you guys do on campus. I know, but not everyone listening knows what you guys do. Well, I teach a lot of lessons, both to the college students, piano majors and minors, and then uh, to some prep students. I have five high school prep students that are really excellent. I enjoy working with them. Um, then I teach several classes. I teach music theory fundamentals, mm -hmm. and that prepares uh, students with a shaky theory foundation that prepares them for Harmony One. So it gets some good good place there. I teach oral skills, uh, foundation oh. and advanced, and I really enjoy that. We have a lot of fun with solfege and mm -hmm. Gordon's system of rhythm. Uh, we do a lot of singing, a lot of uh, rhythm uh, drills and stuff. So that class just flies by. And then I teach some of the advanced hymn playing three and accompanies um, uh, every other year. So, And for people who don't know music... Music people are busy all day long, and there are so many different moving parts. It's not just in-class instruction. It's not just practicing. There's like, it's a community. So like when you come on Maranatha's campus, you get to the second floor of Old Main, 
you find a group of students who are always together doing those things. And I always can hear them doing those things together. It's not like everyone's locked away in their own little cubby doing their, you know, practicing. It's they're all together. It's like a beehive. It reminds me. Yes. <laughs> they're all working and, and making things, um, collaborating together, running to my office. Can you help me with this one trill? Just five minutes. And then they go back and do, or I'll hear the wrong note next door <laughs> and I'll run over and say, that's enough sharp. It's enough sharp. Okay. Thanks, Mrs. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would that. tell you that community is a really special thing on our campus. You won't find that at the average conservatory of music. It's much more cutthroat. Mm. It's much more survival of the fittest and that kind of thing. That is absolutely not the way things are in our music world here. In, in fact, adjunct um, teachers that come in like lesson providers for specialty uh, strings and stuff, they've said, we're used to such competitive faculty. They don't like each other, mm. but you all get along. You seem to really support each other and... Um, one of our uh, adjuncts just said that to me last week. It's such a blessing to work here. And there's it's a there's a reason, right? Because we're doing it for a different yes. purpose. We're not, you know, musicians like other industries can be really caught up in themselves, mm -hmm. um, and that's just not how Maranatha musicians work. Uh, it's just a very different. It's a very different world. And I took theory fundamentals, and then I. Since I was not a music major, Dr. Townsend let me skip oral one and go what? right into advanced because he goes, that's going to be the fun stuff, which I don't know what the first year was all about, but I did have a lot of fun in the second year. But we talked a lot about music philosophy in the second one and the sounds. And I can tell you that it was a fundamentally uh, changing semester to take those both of those courses. I never made it into harmony. I'm sorry. Maybe I should... Maybe I should just like pop back down in. and. and I got a seat it. for you, buddy. All right. Yeah, yeah, I know you always do it. So what do you do, Doc? Uh, well, I uh, oversee the chapel music. As you guys know, I work with uh, some great people down there in the gym. And uh, I pick all the, the hymns that we sing. I check all the specials that the kids do. And that's really been a lot of fun. I enjoy being part of that. Teach conducting, as you know. Um, I teach a music theory course or two. I'm getting ready to teach one called Instrumental Arranging. That'll be in the spring. So if you wind up with an odd assortment of instruments in your church orchestra, I teach you how to write pieces for them. And most, most church orchestras are that way. Two saxophones and a banjo and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I teach music appreciation. I'm getting ready to do that here in just a little bit. Uh, that's really fun because I intersect with a lot of kids that I don't get to see during the rest of the day. So that's that's a lot of fun. I direct the uh, symphonic band. Uh, shameless plug for the band. We're getting ready to go out Saturday. We're going to be touring uh, over in the St. Louis area, a little bit in on the Missouri side, some on the Illinois side. And uh, I love going out with the groups. It's tons of fun. I also conduct the Madrigal Choir. We'll be doing a February tour in Chatech. What are we thinking going north when it's that cold? I know. But uh, yeah, we're, for a we're heading up that way and uh, super excited about that. So yeah, that's what my world looks like. I have, I don't teach near as many private lessons as Ruth does. I have 10 private students. There's maybe three or four of those that are university kids. The rest are all uh, prep students all the way from seniors in high school, all the way down through Drew Anderson, who is like, I don't know what grade he's in, but yeah, funniest, one of the funniest kids I've ever met. He's great. 
So, so your advanced degree is in conducting, correct? That's right. And you did that there in Kansas City. Right. And, uh, and you even addressed this. So maybe you can talk about the difference between the conservatory mindset that we have in we want our musicians to be professional and excellent, but we want to do it with a ministry mindset. And tell me a little bit about how that's different than maybe if, if a student were to go somewhere else. Um, I had a girl ask me the other day, if, you know, did I do the right thing by coming here for my undergrad? And I said, oh, my, yes, because there is such you'll hear such wild philosophies being taught in the classroom that uh, maybe a freshman in college would be very apt to buy into, you know, that sort of humanistic approach. He's obviously not going to get that at a, a Bible college like this. The musical excellence, yes, for sure, you're going to be stretched at a conservatory. Um, but the difference here is the professors that are teaching you those same musical subjects, theory fundamentals, conducting all that, are also going to sit next to you in church in the orchestra on Sunday. Mm. And so you're going to be doing ministry alongside of your professors. And I think I went to uh, Bible college as well. And I think that's the thing I was most impacted by during my whole undergrad was the, the stuff that happened out of class, the conversations in the hall, the, the ministry trips with my professors. We didn't do any of that during my doctoral work. It was purely subject-related classroom teaching and that kind of stuff. But there wasn't one-on-one -on -one spiritual mentoring for sure. So, yeah, there'd be some profound differences a kid could make it at a conservatory for sure if he's plugged into a, a good Bible-believing church and a good youth department or college department or whatever. But I think that's a risk that's uh, not that I'd not be willing to take. So For sure. So we're heading into Christmas season here. Tell me about what's going on with Messiah. Messiah, we're going to be doing the normal... 60 minutes or so worth of Messiah choruses and solos, plus a few. So I think we're probably up closer to 90 minutes by the time the whole thing is uh, said and done. Dr. Doug Backrick's leading it this year. Ruth is in the pit orchestra playing harpsichord with the strings and uh, playing along with the soloists and that sort of thing. But, oh, yeah, the choirs have been hard at work and the soloists have been hard at work getting ready for that. It's early. I think it's December 1. I know. it's it, 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 Yeah, but that's nice. It kind of gives musicians a, a break there over the Christmas season. Yeah. You know, something that I loved about my college experience was when, uh, when you go to a bigger school, you kind of have to choose which things you're going to be involved in. And I think that's a distinction that Maranatha has is that you don't have to be a music major or minor to be involved in these bigger performances. And... Being a part of a mass choir with Messiah is just, it's unlike anything else musically you, you can do. I mean, how many opportunities do musicians have to sing with 300 other people? Um, and I know this year, the Academy is joining in. Yeah. And how cool is that? Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, that's really sweet. So if you could give a prospective student a piece of advice for how to prepare now for Bible college music major, what would you guys say? If it's a pianist yeah. and they're wanting to prepare for a major, 
I would say take your work right now very seriously. Learn your scales. Learn as much material as you possibly can. Learn to sight read. Um, make sure you have a teacher who's who's going to prepare you for that the, the level of excellence you need. But I also know that Maranatha, we will let anyone start as a freshman. And if many times if they come in with a deficit for a major or minor, but they're willing to work hard, they can do it. I, I've just been amazed at the level some have come in and by the senior recital. It's just fantastic. So um, I think anything's possible, but if you can prepare well right now, take theory lessons or re to get mm. a good book and work through theory for several semesters. Yeah, because when you show up, you're going to have to take a keyboard test. You'll have to take a theory test just so that we can get you placed in the right section and all of that. We've got quite a bit of material on our website on the Fine Arts page about how to prepare to come in as a freshman. So, and we have some students take that very seriously. They're like, boy, I read my theory book all summer and, you know, I practiced some fundamental piano things all summer and it just kind of puts them ahead when they start. So like Ruth said, if they don't do that, they, they can still succeed. It's just a little bit longer road. So also we have our uh, prospective students to make a video or a DVD of them performing. So if you're performing like your senior year, you're playing a contest solo or you're singing somewhere, videotape it and keep it mm. because you can use it as part of your entrance material that the faculty looks at and says, Oh yeah, we think, this person would be better with this piano teacher or that piano teacher. We, we do all that based upon their entrance video. So videotape everything your senior year. Nice, nice. I like that advice. And then last thing here before we're done, talk to me about prospective student opportunities before they're ready for college, the Great Lakes Music Festival and the Music and Drama Camp. We're getting ready to set a record for enrollment in Great Lakes. I'm believing that's going to happen this year. That comes up in the last weekend of January. So if you're anywhere within the Midwest area, you should come be part of our musical kaleidoscope is the theme this year. We have a festival band, festival chorus with all 300 kids or 200 kids, however many we have. We have a piano track. We have a string track. So, yeah, that's a great opportunity to come to campus and rub shoulders with some college kids and make some great music together. We have a summer music camp that I referenced. That's early in June. Uh, we have a week-long uh, music camp and drama camp. You can come be part of a major play uh, production. You can come build sets. You can come be in the show. You can come be in the piano track, all those kinds of things. We're doing a couple festivals on the road this year. In fact, my band's going to do a festival next week in Missouri. We're doing an area-wide first-ever band festival where all, all these neighboring schools will come and descend upon Festus, Missouri. And it's a mini version of what we're talking about. They'll spend a whole day with our college kids learning music, and then we'll play a concert at night. Uh, choirs are going to do one of those. We're doing a Shatek choir festival in february first ever love it yeah so lots of cool opportunities lots to... of opportunities and i always would say when i was in recruitment now i'm not but when i was in recruitment you just got to come and see it you just got to come and see it because it's not the same as you might expect 
you know, yeah, there's going to be some things where you're going to have to be out by yourself. You're going to have to play. You're going to be exposed. But you know what? That's good. It's good as a prospective student to know this is what it's going to feel like if you're going to be a student or even if you're just going to be interested in being involved in the music world. And we pride ourselves on that because we think that that's a part of that liberal arts education. I'll tell you, I know a lot of students have never seriously thought about music until they get to music appreciation. And what a phenomenal class to kind of like start off and say, you know what, there's a lot of things you got to think about. And I, I loved that class. I grew up in a church that was very musically oriented. So um, I wouldn't say everything was new in that class for me, but it was a great, it was a great propeller for me to have other conversations, to move into other areas. Well, Browns, you guys are well-loved on campus. Thank you for spending your time today. We'll see you on the road. It was fun. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining us today. On Mission is a production of Maranatha Baptist University. Subscribe to On Mission on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review as this will help other growing leaders find these conversations. For information about our guests, previous episodes, and general information about On Mission or MBU, go to mbu.edu podcast. Join us again next week as we examine what keeps leaders on mission.